What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we are the 25th top-paying career Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. With a new book called Faith No More, why people reject religion in general, not always, but in general. These are people who were frequently deeply religious, but over the course of their life, sometimes earlier than later, they've decided they just don't need it. Phil Zuckerman, thanks for being with us. My pleasure, my honor. Well, listen, I appreciate that. We'll see if you can say the same thing in 40 minutes. Um, you, you've looked at apostasy, and I like the idea of what this is. It is a revolt against beliefs that no longer make sense to a lot of people. And you describe various kinds, early or late apostasy, shallow or deep apostasy, mild or transformative apostasy. Tell me just a little bit of what those distinctions are, particularly shallow, deep, mild, transformative. I think early we mean you reject it early in your life, late it comes to you much later. But the other one's a little more complex, aren't they? You bet. Uh, you know, people, uh, I guess for, you know, as you already got early and late, but for shallow and deep, you know, I was just trying to capture the, the, the reality that, um, some people who were very religious and then and then walk away it's not total they they may be uh still somewhat spiritual not completely secular uh they they perhaps no longer believe in god but don't feel like calling themselves an atheist uh they 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 no longer see the bible as the word of god but still consider it special whereas a deep apostate it's one that you know severs ties with religion and faith totally and completely does isn't isn't going to sit in church just to hear the music uh, uh, mm-hmm. is, is much more willing to call themselves an, apost- uh, an, an atheist or an agnostic. And then, and then I also noticed that different difference between mild apostasy and transformative apostasy. And there I was just simply trying to capture the fact that uh, in studying people that were once religious but are no longer, I realized that some people were a lot more religious and some were just somewhat religious. So uh, transformative apostasy referred to those stories I heard of people that were deeply deeply religious in all facets, in all aspects, belief, behavior, belonging, who then walk away from religion, and that walk is extremely precarious, difficult, dramatic, even, uh, you know, it's a life transformation. Whereas I also interviewed a lot of people that, you know, whatever, they were raised with religion, sure they believed, but it was never that deep, so their rejection of it wasn't that much of a personal revolution. Do you know, I mean, you did a lot of intense uh, interviews with people from a variety of religious backgrounds who decide to reject most or all of their religious upbringing, traditions, and so on. But uh, do you have any better idea? Does anybody really know what it is that 
what percentage of Americans really are atheists? Are there 15, 20 million people who would self-characterize themselves and not be even afraid of that word? Good question. I can tell you what, you know, it's always an inexact science. With We use national surveys, hopefully with random representative samples, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what the data seems to indicate right now is the following. So first of all, in study after study, in the United States, in Europe, anywhere else, People don't like to say they're atheists. That term specifically is one people uh, eschew. They, it, it makes them uncomfortable either because it's so stigmatized or it's too negative, it's too strong. So when you ask people, are you an atheist, the responses are always low. I mean, we're talking 2, 3, 4% of Americans will say, yes, I'm an atheist. Mm -hmm. However, if you ask simply the question about God belief, which is sort of getting at people's personal orientation, you know, do you believe in God? The percentages who will say no or I don't know or I'm sure are much higher. Mm -hmm. So, for example, recent Harris polls indicate that around 8 or 9 percent of Americans will say no to belief in God, and another 8 or 9 or 10 percent will say, I don't know or it can't be known to believe in God. So, right. actually, we've got about 10 Eight, between 8 and 10% of Americans are atheists in orientation, not necessarily self-designation. And another 10% are agnostic in orientation, not necessarily, though, again, in self-designation. So it all kind of depends on how the question's worded. Sure. And, of course, it is difficult, dangerous sometimes, to admit you're an atheist because, A, we know that that means that uh, a lot of families don't want you to marry their daughter. Uh, we saw that in reports in the New York Times years, a few years ago. Nothing's changed. And dramatically, I have not been able able to look at this study completely, but just about an hour ago, I saw a reference to a new study, I believe just came out this morning, suggesting that people have a, a, the same level of trust, not much, by the way, in atheists as they do in rapists. Interesting. Yeah, so I mean, this is a, this is a tough road to hoe for a lot of people. On the other side of this uh, divide... 71% of people in a 2008 poll say they believe in angels. Now, uh, why do you think and 75% believe in miracles? Maybe all this means is that somebody says there was a good outcome to whatever bad thing might have happened, therefore I'm going to characterize it as a miracle. But I think most people think of miracles as something more than that. Huge percentage of people believe in this. Uh, many of us theists, I mean, we don't, I don't believe in angels. Uh, I, I don't really believe in miracles in the sense of, of uh, what most theologians would call miracles. Why, why does in the same culture that we have this mounting doubt about the very existence of God, do we find so many people who believe, uh, you know, that they're winged critters out there? <laughs> well, it's fun to believe in fairies. My daughters did for many years growing up. <laughs> uh, you know, that's such a tough question, Barry. I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. There's something unique about Americans. Uh, we're much more believing than Canadians, Australians, or Europeans, or New Zealanders. Uh, 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 Americans, I think, like to live in a little bit of a magic world. I don't know why. It's hard to understand. It's hard to explain. But there's no question that there's something about American psychology. And it's, it's very funny. I mean, I see it all the time in my own life. A close relative of mine on my, on my wife's side of the family uh, recently was uh, discovered that she had breast cancer. She was, she was going into the doctor for some other ailment. Mm -hmm. And while they were checking around and doing some tests, they noticed a little bit of breast cancer. 
she saw this as a miracle from God. She saw it as, wow, good thing I went into the doctors for this other problem mm-hmm. because they were able to catch my breast cancer in time. Now, you know, a skeptic would say, well, why, are you, why did you even have breast cancer in the first place? I sure. mean, isn't, that a, isn't this a sign that God's not watching out for you? But again, this relative of mine was able to twist it around and see it as a, as a, as a blessing, as a miracle from God. So there's just some capacity in, Amer- in many American psychologies that allow them to interpret things in a bit of a magical way, and I don't know how to explain it. I don't quite understand it. Yeah. If you used a less loaded word than magical, if you just said that there is something we don't comprehend, then at least to me it makes it uh, a little easier for me to understand it because I don't even find some of this in my own life, what, what's sometimes called the numinous. I mean, things that we can't explain that just seem to be positive. They're, they're positive. They don't necessarily connect to any direct spiritual yeah. belief. But there's something more than us. That doesn't bother me. I love that. Yeah. I, are you kidding? I wrote an essay called Aweism, A-W-E. I mean, I think the world is full of wonder and, ma- and mystery and amazing things and good things and things like you said that maybe are beyond who knows what. And I agree. I'm much more comfortable with that kind of understanding and that language sure. and, uh, than, than, yeah. than this kind of literal. Uh, indeed. Speech. All right, Phil Zuckerman, we got to come back. Uh, we got to take a little break, sell a few products. We'll be back with Phil Zuckerman, author of the new book, Faith No More. Why people reject religion. Well, by the way, a couple of weeks ago on the show, we had a study done of evangelical Christian kids. A lot of them have rejected religion for some very specific reasons. We'll talk to Phil about that when we come back on Culture Shocks. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the U.S. dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power of $3 million. The answer to protecting your assets is simple. Call John Ballman today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Get all your questions answered before your money is worth zero. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. 
If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now. And the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of the 100% blocked arteries in both my legs. And my decision waiting for surgery to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been thankfully the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps. Without noticeable pain. Order Heart and Body Extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. Now back to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. We're talking to Phil Zuckerman here on Culture Shocks about his new book, Faith No More, Why People Reject Religion. It's interesting that here is a book about why people have abandoned, in many cases, deeply held sets of beliefs about religion, about God, about the afterlife, about morality, and have decided to just go it without religion. Some maintain a kind of veneer of interest in spirituality. Some reject it completely. You know, Phil, we had uh, the president of the Barna Group, which does a lot of polling for evangelical Christians on. He's just written a, a relatively new book uh, based on extensive studies of the children of evangelical, conservative evangelicals. He finds that a lot of the reasons young people are leaving the church, and he does not believe they'll come back to this church, one, on moral issues like GLBT issues, gay and lesbian issues, these these kids know gay and lesbian people. They're in their class, and certainly by college, they're out and about and clear who they are, what they represent. And kids go, well, they're not so bad. They're just kind of like me. They just have an interest in a same-sex couple, and maybe I don't. Second, uh, familiarity with science breeds a lot of rejection of religion because these kids were told you've got to do it one way or another. That is, it's either God doing this or 
or there's some scientific explanation. The third is just a lot of these young people find it incomprehensible to accept biblical literalism. The sun didn't stop so Joshua could succeed at the Battle of Jericho. They just don't accept that literalism. Are these the kinds of things you're hearing from the people you interviewed? Absolutely. Absolutely. That and a much more. You know, I, I interviewed so many people, and, and very rarely was it ever one thing. So if I sat down with a person and said, you know, tell me your story. How did you go from being a believer to a non-believer? How did you go from being religious to irreligious? You know, usually they had three or four things. So uh, the, the reasons kind of just added up and added up and added up. And as I kind of stepped back and then looked at the data and tried to group uh, reasons, there's no question that the gay rights issue was up there toward the top of the list. And, and I think that's going to be increasing. I mean, if you just watch the furor over uh, Rick, Governor Rick Perry's ad, I mean, here's a governor of a state in the United States running for president who literally runs a commercial, you know, pitting, you know, supporting gay rights against religion. He yeah. makes it like either or. Either you're a Christian and you don't like gays in the military or you like gays in the military and hence you must not be a real Christian or a real American. And he's on the losing side of history. I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of religious people and Christians who are going to watch that ad and, and get turned off and just say, well, look, if that's what Christians in America stand for, I guess I'm not one of them. So I've seen a lot of people, a lot of former Mormons, a lot of former Christians, uh, uh, a lot of former Catholics who have been turned off by the anti-gay rhetoric and are just simply more accepting of gays and lesbians today than ever before. Yeah, there is, of um, course, well, there is a question, though, if they're accepting and the church is not accepting, there are a couple things someone could do. One could, for example, move into a different church. I remember talking, Anne Rice, of course, wrote all those vampire novels. At some point, she became... Or, or she reestablished her roots as a Roman Catholic. She stopped writing about uh, the occult, and she stopped writing about vampires. So I called her up, and we talked for a while on the air a couple of years ago, and she said, I like the ritual of the Catholic Church. I feel comfortable with it. And I said, but what about the fact that the hierarchy of the church believes that uh, women are really second-class citizens, you can never be priests, you can't uh, have birth control? She said, well, I don't believe any of that. I don't yeah. accept it. And then I, I said, well, why? But then why this church? Why would you come back to this church? And she said, well, I like the ritual. About six months after that interview, I don't think that my questions necessarily had anything to do with it, but she announced that she was no longer a Catholic. I saw that. Yeah, so what's going on here? If you, if you don't like the political message of the church, why don't you find a new church? And that's definitely possible. I'll just say here, I live in Claremont, California, just outside of Los Angeles, and the Claremont United Methodist Church very uh, courageously has just put up a huge art piece uh, right on Foothill Boulevard that says Christ is born, and underneath is an image of a gay couple, a lesbian couple, and a hetero couple. These are huge, you know, nine-foot panels. They are proclaiming their support of gays and lesbians as a Christian community, and there's no question that we see this all over among Jewish communities, uh, all, all kinds. And sure, people could say, well, I don't like the politics of this. I don't like the, of my church. I'm going to find a more liberal and more progressive and more open one. And, and many people do. But many people are simply also just opting out. And, and just to go off on your Anne Rice uh, uh, story, you know, 
in every religion, there's a lot of non-believers among Jews, among Catholics, mm-hmm. among Christians, more uh, Muslims. There are people that are involved in their community. They're involved in their congregation, but actually don't believe, but they go for all these other reasons. They like the ritual. They like the music. They like the community. You know, my dad used to say, Moshe goes to synagogue to talk to God. I go to synagogue to talk to Moshe. But more and more, what we are seeing now is less and less people are willing to tolerate the stuff that they don't believe in for the other stuff, and they're actually starting to walk away. And not only are they going, and some of them are going to more liberal, progressive uh, denominations, others are opting out, and others are starting to join these this boom in free thinker groups and atheist groups and humanist groups and secular humanist communities. So we're really, I think we're really seeing a, a revolution right now in this country huh. in terms of, or at least a bifurcation. Sure. Well, that, yeah, I think there's no doubt an enormous uh, growing amount of secular interest. That is to say, not just in having a secular government, which you can believe and ought to believe if you're religious or non-religious, but also uh, a step beyond that into a meaning of secular. We don't need and we don't expect that anybody should need a belief in God. Bill Lobdell uh, was a religion writer for the Los Angeles Times for a number of years. He became a born-again Christian, ends up as the religion writer for the L.A times then discovers a lot of widespread uh, sexual abuse in the Roman Catholic Church and kind of gives up religion again. Do atheists ever quit being atheists because they think, I don't know, Sam Harris is a little too militant about Islam and he could get us into a third or fourth war who can count them in the Middle East? Or that Bill Maher can't really be serious if he honestly believes that vaccination is not good and it might lead to autism in spite of all the scientific data to the contrary? Do people drop out of being atheists? Great question. A new horizon for research. I, we, I, I, I don't know any data indicating this uh, of people going the other way. Obviously, some people who weren't religious do embrace faith, but that's usually people who were raised without it, uh, and then at a certain point in their life, usually following an emotional crisis, turn to religion for comfort or, or hope or, or whatever. So, we, you know, we do know that some people do that, but people that were religious and then reject it and embrace atheism, rarely go back to faith. I mean, obviously, humans are funny animals. No, sure. And it does happen sometimes. But it's just that those are not the trends we're seeing. I mean, you mentioned earlier young people, uh, 20-somethings. 20 years ago, evangelicals among 20-somethings outnumbered non-religious two to one. It's completely flip-flop. Today, among 20-somethings, mm-hmm. between 18 and 29, there are twice as many non-religious uh, as there are evangelicals. So we're just, yeah. it is always possible for people to go oh, back sure. to faith. But it's just not happening in any uh, discernible uh, uh, level. All right. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with the author of uh, the new book, Faith No More, Why People Reject Religion, Phil Zuckerman. When we come back, we're going to look a little bit about what happens uh, when things get really bad in a whole country. What about when things get really bad for you personally? There is a difference. We'll be back for more on Culture Shots. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? 
messages about intelligent design. Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. You land in Buenos Aires, then a shuttle to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa. It's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes, all food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more, all more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com, the big game hunting ranch, GoldenStagSafaris.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. So, a natural disaster strikes, and out goes your power. You risk losing stored food in electric freezers and refrigerators. Your options, lose all that expensive food and medication, fire up a noisy gasoline-powered generator, or switch now to a propane or natural gas-powered refrigerator from Ben's Discount Supply. Ben'sDiscountSupply.com has a complete line of propane-powered refrigerators, freezers in sizes ranging from a small camper cooler size up to a whopping 21-cubic-foot refrigerator freezer or a 22 cubic foot deep freezer in stock and ready to ship anywhere. Ben'sDiscountSupply.com also stocks a full line of solar powered appliances to get you completely off the grid. Check out Ben'sDiscountSupply.com or call 800-771-7702 That's 800-771-7702 or click Ben'sDiscountSupply.com for camping, home or bug out location. Bank on Ben'sDiscountSupply.com America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. All right, we are back.
back, and we're talking to Phil Zuckerman. He's a professor out of Pitzer College out in California and also the author of the new book, Faith No More, Why People Reject Religion. Phil, let me ask you this question because it comes up in a lot of the conversations that you excerpt in the book. Uh, people wonder, well, when something bad is happening to them, I mean them or some good person they know, uh, God's often hold out as the culprit. Why, you know, why did God let this happen? Why is it necessary, do you think, for uh, people to view God as some perfect, omnipotent thing or person? Why can't God just be better than us, more powerful than us, but can't really fix everything, even if he, she, it, God wanted to? Wow, that's a great question. I think I think psychologically, in that realm, I think if God were just you know better or stronger or a bit more, there would still be a lot of room for mistakes. There would still be a lot yep. of room for ambiguity. There would still be a lot of room for you know, a lot of gray area. And I think uh, a theism, it, for it to really succeed, has to believe in a God that's all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, and that somehow gives people a sense that, that things are a bit more secure, there's a reason, things uh, aren't just haphazard or accidental. And I get, obviously, millions of people don't have that belief, but mm-hmm. many, many more do. And for whatever reason, it makes their life more bearable. But but what was so interesting to me in doing these interviews is, you know, it's, it's sort of a taken for granted that when life gets tough, when you when you lose a parent at an early age, or you or you you get a disease, or you get hit by a drunk driver, and you're paralyzed from the waist down, whatever it is, uh, that people will turn to religion to help them cope with these things, and that definitely happens. There's a lot of data showing that religion is a strong source of coping for people enduring trying times. And yet I interviewed a lot of people who had just the opposite. They were religious, they believed in God, and when their brother was killed by that drunk driver or their mother died of brain cancer, or whatever it was, it, that actually was the, uh, a straw that caused uh, their faith to fall apart, that they actually thought, wait a minute, this just doesn't add up. I'm believing, I've believed all my life, I'm praying earnestly, and my prayers are not being answered, uh, and that actually causes them to question the existence of an all-loving, all-powerful God in the face of such personal tragedy. So, so I, I find it really interesting the way that these things kind of, some people, uh, difficult life circumstances, tragedy causes them to become more religious and embrace God even more. Mm-hmm. And for a few people, it actually causes them to lose their faith and become atheists. Yeah, something else that's interesting that's a follow-up to that, you found out that there is this tendency, if bad things are happening to you, it's your family, it's your brother, your mother, then there is this uh, impetus, of course, not everybody's doing it, but to reject religion and say, well, if this is God's will, I reject God. But if everybody in a culture is suffering, if these, these are people in poverty. These are people in uh, military situations where they literally are risking their life just being there. Those cultures, you find, tend to be more religious. So if everybody's having a bad day, uh, we'll be religious. If I'm having a bad day, maybe I'm rejecting it. Is that pretty... Is that an honest yeah, assessment of what course, you found? Indeed. And, of course, the latter situation, even at that personal level, it's still a minority who will reject God in the face of tough times, but it's a growing minority. But you're absolutely correct. Sociologically, when we compare countries, and uh, the work of uh, Norris and Engelhardt's really impressive here. They've got the data to, to drive it home. That, that, that we find that when life is less secure, 
And by Latin, simply when people don't know where their next meal is going to come from, when there's a lot of chaos in the society, unstable governments, warfare, crime, uh, not easy access to med- medicine, not easy access to education or housing, those societies generally are the most religious on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And conversely, the societies that are most secure, where people have enough food, shelter, education, medicine, stable democracies, peaceful uh, cultures, uh, are overwhelmingly among the least religious societies on Earth. So we know that at that macro kind of societal level, uh, uh, tough times uh, seems to go, you know, increase religiosity and stable lives tend to decrease it. Absolutely. Very interesting. When it comes to questions of how a society sets itself up with a certain moral set of values, a code, a a law system, which although it's not going to mirror exactly uh, in most countries, uh, even where they think it does, uh, the religious tenets of the majority faith in that country, it's still going to be growing from it in in some way. It always seems uh, to me that um, one of the many things that uh, Senator Joe Lieberman said when he was running for vice president that alienated a lot of people, including a lot of religious people, was when he said, he thought that in general religious people were more moral. Uh, this turns out, of course, not to be true. I think you could find, as for example, in the Christian Bible, you could construct a moral system that would be good out of it, but the Bible's not a full-blown moral treatise. If it was, it would be written very, very differently. So, of course, you can construct an a theistic, non-theistic moral code, but a lot of people to this day, maybe Rick Perry's one of them, frankly, literally believes that is impossible. What would you say to Rick Perry, you know, if he called in or something and you could chat with him about that question? (laughs) Well, first of all, I would say let's look at the data. Let's take something like, I don't know, governmental use of torture. Uh, I think most of us, you would think most Christians who saw, you know, the uh, passion of the Christ don't think it's good to torture victims, uh, prisoners. Yet who's most likely to support torture in this country? The strongly religious, the evangelical Bible believers. And who's the least likely to support torture? The atheists. Let's take the death penalty. Talk about forgiveness. Talk about mercy. Uh, uh, clearly, uh, the most supportive of the death penalty in this country are the strongly religious, the least supportive are the strongly irreligious. Gun, uh, uh, concealed guns, obviously, I know this is a big debate, but I mean, sure. uh, uh, invading foreign countries, like, whatever the issue. Beating kids, where do we find corporal punishment? Among the, mo- the support for beating kids is highest among the strongly religious and the lowest among uh, uh, the non-religious. In fact, all the, all the handful of countries that have outlawed corporal punishment are all among the most secular societies on earth. We can also compare where do we see the highest murder rates in this country? We see in the Bible Belt. Where do we see the lowest murder rates in the world among the most secular democracies on earth like Scandinavia, Japan? So, I mean, the correlations, our our prisons are not overflowing with atheists. In fact, atheists are grossly underrepresented. Uh, One study I saw, less than 0.5% of inmates are atheists, uh, and yet uh, uh, our prisons are bursting with people of faith. Now, I don't think faith is, is bad. I think it helps a lot of people a lot of the time, particularly the communal aspect, the social support the social networks, the, the, the help in, in, in that, and the charitable works, and, and the, 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 the sort of social resources one can find in faith communities, I think, is extremely helpful for a lot of Americans. But there's simply no question that you cannot make the claim that, that 
atheists or non-Christians or non-religious people are less moral. In fact, the data shows otherwise. Yeah, and it also always struck me as odd uh, that if you act morally only because you fear God, that that's a heck of a way to develop a moral outlook. I'm only going to be good because if I'm bad, something either right now or possibly in the future uh, will go terribly wrong for me. That just strikes me as a thin reed upon which to develop an ethical system. It's quite infantile. It's quite juvenile. And yes, I totally agree. It's not a very, uh, it's not a very robust ethical system. And I mean, all you need to do is compare the Ten Commandments with the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, written in the 1940s. I think 1948. I mean, which one's superior? I think every rational person could read the Ten Commandments and then read the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and see that the latter is far more superior as a way to live life. But what I found in my research. Mm. Barriers. Even when we talk about moral, these things mean different things. To religious people, the strongly believing Jews, Christians, Muslims, what they mean by moral is a sort of funny list of do's and don'ts. You know, don't right. have sex outside of marriage. Right. Don't drink alcohol. Uh, do read your Bible. You know, don't steal. Okay, that's great. But when you talk to atheists, agnostics, and secular folk, their morality is very simple. It's the golden rule. Don't treat other people the way you wouldn't want to be treated. And it kind of boils down to how much harm am I doing others? And if I'm not, you know, to harm others, that's immoral to secular people. And if I'm not harming other people, I'm generally a moral person. And what I do in my private life is no big deal. So you actually have these very different views of what we mean by moral. They are truly difference in worldviews that lead to different descriptions of what it is to be a good person. We'll be back with Phil Zuckerman, author of Faith No More, when we come back for more right here on Culture Shocks. I'm Barry Lynn. Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. Food storage? Check. Survival tools? Check. Weapons and water filters? Check. But what about a permanent source of cooking power that can run forever without buying fuel or paying for maintenance? Introducing Afterburner Stoves, home of the original patented rocket stove, the Kelly Kettle, and the Solo Stove. Afterburner Stoves has what you need and now offers all GCN listeners our complete preparedness package with the means to cook meals and sanitize water. Whether you dig in or bug out, cook almost any meal with just a handful of sticks. We already have the lowest online prices guaranteed. Guaranteed. But if you enter coupon code GCN at checkout, we'll knock off an additional 15% and send you our amazing six-hour solar rechargeable light bulb absolutely free, all for only $249. Visit AfterburnerStoves.com or call 866-716-5214, 866-716-5214, AfterburnerStoves.com. Cook hot meals with just a handful of sticks. 
natural disaster strike and the water supply is shut off, you won't panic because you have a CWR emergency water filter. CWR Environmental has been supplying emergency water filters worldwide for over 25 years. The difference? CWR emergency water filters are portable, easy to set up, and exceptional at removing bacteria, parasites, sediment, and many harmful contaminants, including chlorine and harmful microorganisms. Plus, they are NSF certified to assure performance. CWR emergency water filters can produce thousands of gallons of safe drinking water from any water source and come with a five-year warranty and money-back guarantee. For a limited time, the filters are specially priced with free shipping. Call now, 800-444-3563. That's 800-444-3563. Or go to CWRSurvival.com. That's CWRSurvival.com. CWR Emergency Water Filters. Drinking water you can trust for when you need it most. CWRSurvival.com. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months, simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn is heard on the Genesis Communication Network. Wrapping up today's conversation with Phil Zuckerman, the author of the new book, Faith No More, Why People Reject Religion. He studied hundreds, he interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people uh, in this country and elsewhere about why they left religion. And when did they do so? When they were relatively young, when they were old, when bad things happened to them? What was going on in their minds to either reject religion outright or at least uh, to move away from much of what most people would consider religion into some, let we say, vaguer sense of the spiritual? Um, Phil, I was uh, speaking to a skeptics group in Asheville, North Carolina, a couple of months ago, and in the dinner they had for me afterwards, uh, uh, a woman who wasn't, as most of the people that night were, uh, atheists or humanists, uh, free thinkers, uh, she, sa- she said, I don't know how to talk to people who are religious. She said, now I can talk to you, but I'm afraid that if I talk you know, to somebody in the local churches down here about separation of church and state or reproductive choice, the first thing they would think is, that woman is going to hell anyway. Why do I want to dialogue with her? But the truth is, I said to her, frankly, if you talk to most Methodists or Presbyterians in a city like Asheville, not only do they not believe you're going to hell, they don't even believe there is a hell. Now, is that the only reason that some in the atheist, freethinker, humanist community don't 
work at least on issues whether it's the death penalty or something else in the constitution with religious people or are some of these apostates increasingly hostile toward anyone who expresses a religious viewpoint I think you find it I think you find both Barry I think you'll you'll find an array I think you'll find among secular humanists, atheists, agnostics, some obviously have a deep understanding that there's a diversity of religious orientation, that there's people that don't take the word of God, the Bible literally is the word of God, that there are people that uh, they have common ground with, political common ground, ethical common ground, uh, that they, they understand that there's a lot of religious people who find inspiration, hope in their faith, but don't take it literally, don't believe in hell, uh, and yet believe in the wonderful value of the teachings of Jesus or whatnot of the prophets. So I think the Obviously, some secular people can appreciate that, can join hands with those type of folks. But there are also, obviously, vestiges of, of within the, uh, the secular humanist community that are quite angry at religion. Mm-hmm. Either they've had terrible experiences of their own and they're bitter, or they simply have no experience of religion and have a sort of stereotypical view uh, that, you know, they, they've only seen Bill Maher's movie or whatever. Sure. And think, you know, well, religious people are just all nuts, they're all conservative, they're all right-wing, they're all crazy. And, you know, and the truth is, uh, obviously not that black and white. So just as you have a diversity of orientations among the secular community, you also have a diversity of orientations among the religious community. And I think that the people that have common cause need to reach out to each other. Yeah, and I think that as a political matter, unless there's a huge change in the next generation, I mean, much more than we saw in the last generation, uh, there almost needs to be, there has to be common ground if you expect to win some of these political, Absolutely. I don't mean partisan, but I mean political battles. Uh, you talk to a woman named Lily, and uh, Lily uh, says in uh, an excerpt in the book, you have to make an effort to believe. And that's interesting. I've been thinking about that. Uh, don't you also, though, have to kind of make an effort to look at the complexity, the awesomeness of the world, the beauty there, and not feel that there may be some reason here, or to look at your own life, you're living it, you, you kind of have to think there's a purpose, don't you? Or at least it's hard to just, isn't it hard to say, uh, well, you know, I'm getting up this morning, I don't know why I'm here, I don't really care, I don't care where I'm going, uh, there's, there's no purpose. I mean, maybe, you know, read too many Kierkegaard uh, uh, <laughs> philosophical treatises, but I mean, don't, isn't it hard not to see a purpose to your life, if not to the life of the universe. Absolutely, I, I don't. I can't imagine not feeling a sense of awe, wonder at the majesty of existing, and a sense of meaning and purpose in our daily lives. I guess the difference, however, is where we find those things, particularly meaning and purpose. Uh, you know, I find it in my relations with my family. I find it in my work. I find it in the music I listen to. I find it driving down the freeway late at night with my 13-year-old daughter blasting Led Zeppelin uh. and marveling at the wonder that is Jimmy Page. <laughs> Other people obviously find it in things not seen, things that can't be uh, observed empirically. They find it in, in their imagined deities. If that works for them, great. I, I, I can't say to someone, oh, you know, you believe that some god impregnated a virgin who had a baby who had to be tortured to death and his blood washes you of sin, if that, hey man, if that gives your life meaning and purpose, if that's what gets you out of bed at night or through the night, that, that's fine. Go for it. But uh, uh, I, I do agree with you that a person, uh, you know, who could look at existence and not 
not find any uh, wonder there or any awe and having no meaning or purpose in life would be an odd and rare individual. Hmm. One of the things you say at the end of the book is that uh, one of the things, the questions that haunts you throughout this research is, is it possible that some people are just secular by nature? And the opposite question is, what if there's a God gene, that is to say a gene that actually makes people in incorporate not just the awesomeness, the wonder, the beauty, with some kind of requirement of a deity. So in either case, uh, what do you think now? You've done all the research. You're one, to what extent will genetics ever be able to explain why some of us start religious and continue that way, other people reject religion, and people, including my neighbor who runs the National Institutes of Health, used to be an atheist, became a Christian. So, I mean, how, is this a genetic component, at least? There, there the has answer. to be a genetic component, and component's the key word. I wouldn't reduce it to genes. I wouldn't reduce it to a gene, but our neurology has got to be at play here. We are brained, brained animals, and something's going on in our wiring that has to be part of the picture. And the kind of things that I saw in my research and continue to see are certain patterns. For example, men are much more likely to be atheists than women. Not all, but just the, on average. And you find this in country after country after country. Mm. We also know that people that reject religion tend to do it between the ages of 15 and 25. Not everybody, but that's the consistent, uh, consistently found area. We also find that uh, non-believers tend to be more intellectual in orientation. Uh, we find these kind of patterns that suggest there may be something going on here that isn't just cultural. Now, that, that said, obviously, I'm a sociologist. I think society and culture is a, has a, plays a huge role in determining these things. And we know that, you know, some cultures are extremely religious. Others are completely irreligious. And how you're, how you're socialized, we know parents are a huge factor in whether people will be religious or not. Um, but I do think there is also something neurological, something genetic at play. Now, whether it's 50-50, 75-25, this is going to be very difficult to parse out, but I think we need to keep looking. Uh, to go back to this more intellectual thing, is that, does that possibly mean that there's also correlation between non-belief and Led Zeppelin, but ACDC pretty much you're guaranteed to be a Baptist? You don't think that? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, aside from my uh, brilliant idea for your further research about what, what happens in those relatively few people who go from atheism to rejecting atheism and accepting something else even late in their life, uh, what, what other kinds of research are you looking at now that you've done this enormous job with, uh, with looking at the people who reject religion? Well, right now I'm working on a new project where I'm saying, okay, religion clearly provides a lot of things for a lot of people. It provides them comfort in the face of tough times. It provides them community. It provides them with wonderful rituals and holidays. Um, it provides them with clear guidelines about how to raise their kids. So we know that there's this growing number of secular Americans, millions and millions and millions. Uh, now up to 17% of Americans are non-religious. How are they getting these things, if mm -hmm. at all? So 
so I'm, I'm trying to understand, well, how do atheists raise their children? Sure. How do non-believers find community? How do non-believers face tough times? Yep. They get cancer, too. Sure. And that's what, I've, uh, that's what I'm exploring very, right now. Very interesting project. stuff. And, you know, there are now humanist summer camps, as I'm sure you know, and uh, there's some effort to, to turn this into a big national way in which people can give their children an experience without... Uh, the religion that's often a part of the summer camp experience, or at least wa- was when my in fact it was the greatest challenge to my faith, I think, of, in my entire life was just going to summer camp uh, with the Methodist Church. Anyway, uh, listen, I want to thank you, Phil, uh, Phil, very much for being with us. Phil Zuckerman's been with us, a professor of sociology at Pittsburgh College, and also the author of the new book, Faith No More Why People Reject Religion. That does it for today's edition. We'll be back in Talk again right here on Culture Shocks. This edition of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson, engineered by Dwayne Davis, and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Those who say we should run government like a business must not be frequent flyers. Flying, which was once a fairly good experience, now amounts to being herded, harassed, barked at, and squeezed, while being donned every step of the way for onerous fees. Make a reservation? Do it yourself, or pay extra. Check a bag? The fee for that is so pricey that most passengers have had to turn themselves into mules, toting their full load on board which the airlines view as a new fee opportunity, planning to charge us for storing the stuff we schlep onto the plane. What's next? A charge to use the toilet? 
Yes, here's the CEO of Ryanair in Europe. One thing we're looking at again is the possibility of maybe putting a coin slot on the toilet door. After all, mused another Ryanair exec, a toilet tax would be voluntary since passengers have the option of not using the toilet. Even though the airlines are in the black again and keep raising their ticket prices three times this year alone, they still keep jacking up fees because they can. It's free money they can simply lift out of travelers' wallets. We're all about finding ways of raising discretionary revenue, gloated the chief of Ryanair. Nearly every airline these days is addicted to fees, and the take is both huge and growing. These add-ons will pluck $36 billion from us customers this year, $4 billion more than last year. This is Jim Hightower saying, Is there a tipping point at which consumer grumbling about these gouges turns to rebellion? A group called AirfareWatchdog.com thinks so. Noting that airlines are making profits again, it reports that the flying public has had it up to here with fees. Delta, for one, has responded. Not by cutting fees, but by excluding from its public reports the full amount of fee revenue it takes from us. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. Call 1-877-979-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-979-MY-TV. Right now, to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HDTV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. Call 1-877-979-MY-TV. 1-877-979-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-979-MY-TV. 1-877-979-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-979-MY-TV. 1-877-979-MY-TV. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. Like a battlefield. There's a battle for the soul of America. We can't let him tear the kingdom down. This is no game. This is war. Flesh and blood. It's between the bad and good. We can't stop until the trumpet sound. This is war. Not a game we're playing. This is war. The only question is, which side will you be on? It's time now for a call to decision with Pastor Butch Paul. Hello and welcome, my friends. Can you believe we're already a week into December, December 7th, 2012? Welcome to the program. A day that is, I guess, as we heard back in the course, back in the 41, or down in infamy when Japan attacked America, and a, a man-made setup against World War II. Nonetheless, that's our discussion night. We know all the wars that we've been in have been... Maneuvered, we've been maneuvered into them by man, including World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, all these things. But tonight is Open Line Friday, and I am excited. I love Friday nights because it's my time to chat with you. And if you're a first-time caller, you tell a board up you're a first-time caller. If you don't mind, tell them how you listen to us and how long you've been listening. 
We want to hear from you. I really and truly mean that. I sincerely do. Uh, this program is all about glorifying our Heavenly Father. And if you're not a Christian, it's just by getting to the truth and perhaps showing you what it means to be a true believer. Uh, it is a program that's based solidly on the Scriptures, but covers all issues. And we want to hear from you tonight. You want to give a testimony? You want to give a prayer request? You just want to come in and let off some steam, but something's bothering you. Tonight's your night. 855-242-8824. That's 855-242-8824. Fill the lines up right now, because right at the first break, we're going to go to the phone lines. That's a promise. I mean that. And the freeze-dry God will be joining us next week. But we want to remind you that the 13th, which is only about six days away, the special on the Mountain House free, uh, number 10 canned foods is going off. 25% off Mountain House foods. Folks, if you're going to buy food, please don't postpone any longer. Do it now. You're not going to get too many times that you're going to get 25% off. And even if you do, a couple of years from now, the price is going to be much higher. Well, you, you, you get the picture. You know, it's going to be much higher. You probably pay more then with 25% off than you do now, the regular price. So 25% off of Mountain House Foods. You call him at 866-404-3663. 866-404-3663. And you order some food before it's too late. And don't forget, we're giving away again in this month another free case of food. Compliments to the freeze-dry guy. Also getting a Berkey water filter, a crown Berkey water filter, the top-of-the-line water filter. I mean the best gravity-fed water filter out there. I don't care where you go, you'll not find one as good as a Berkey. And I can prove it or I wouldn't say it. So we'll be in one of those away also. And of course, we we'll always have some scratch and dings here in the office. If you if you want a scratch and ding Berkey and save about 150 bucks so on a Berkey, let us know, okay? And again, we have another satellite dates, compliments of uh, Rick Satellite. Uh, in, in this month. And folks, if you want to hear crystal, crystal clear reception, you can buy a satellite for about the same price you pay for a good radio, uh, a shortwave radio. And I'm serious. And you will not be disappointed in Rick's satellite. I promise you. Their, their, their quality is unbelievable. That's what I use here to run my little radio station uh, off of that. And it's really, really worth the money and does such a good job. Now, we're going to go to break in a second. And we're going to come back after the break. And we're going to get the phone lines coming up and filling, filling in. So you go ahead and fill them up right now at 855-242-8824. We want to hear from you. I mean that, folks. This is truly tonight, your night, to cover anything you want to cover. Uh, and, you know, let's, let's just do that. Just make you're part of the family, and you know that. So just come on and join us, and don't be embarrassed. You are part of the family, and we want you to join us and, and share your thoughts with us. Uh, and not, I don't want us to say, I mean, we're just, you're welcome. And I, I know people say that they're backward and bikes about that. Don't be, don't be afraid to join us, please. Don't, don't be afraid to come and talk to us. And just talk to me while you're on there, just like you're talking in the front room with me, okay? Back at the break with your phone calls, like I said, 855-242-8824. Don't go away. Could your family survive a food shortage of two weeks to six months or more? Sound far-fetched? The Department of Homeland Defense and your local Office of Emergency Services are already suggesting at least two weeks' worth of food and water. Do you really think that's long enough? We have enemies who have sworn to attack us using nuclear, chemical, or biological weapons. 
Add this to the ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse, and you have a recipe for disaster. The answer is the supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods were designed for the space program, have gone to the moon, and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. We carry such things as freeze-dried chicken, hamburger patties, pork chops, cottage cheese, and freeze-dried compressed peas. Contact the freeze-dried guy by emailing him at fdg at freeze-dryguy.com or call him at 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-3663. Call today. Attention, this is an announcement for our listeners who drive gasoline vehicles. Federal Consumer Protection has confirmed that there is now an automotive accessory that exceeds its own fuel-saving claims. Consumer Protection has confirmed that most gasoline vehicles will get 22% more miles per gallon with an accessory called Platinum 22. To find out if Platinum 22 will give your vehicle 22% more miles per gallon, you should call 1-800-LESS-GAS. You heard me correctly, 1-800-LESS-GAS. You heard me. Federal Consumer Protection has confirmed that the Platinum 22 accessory will deliver 22% more miles per gallon to most gasoline vehicles. You should pick up the phone and call 1-800-LESS-GAS to find out if it will help your vehicle. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.